welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we review and discuss movies, TV shows, video games, and anything else pop culture. My name is Ivan, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, Hunger Games aficionado, and the most capable, at least out of the two of us, uh, to get through a round of Survivor. Emmett. Yeah, yeah, I would. Uh, I think I would do okay on Survivor. Uh, as far as Hunger Games go, and I feel like we've had this discussion, what is your strat for Survival? Um, I definitely would be the little girl that um, <laughs> tags along Enough with this. <laughs> I would be the little girl. <laughs> that would totally be me, That's except you? I get speared within the first five seconds, 100%. Are you running after the cornucopia at the very I'm, beginning? I'm not even making an effort. I'm just going to stand I'm not there. Running. <laughs> yeah, I'm like... walking in. <laughs> I offer myself up to whatever the strongest group is. No, okay, that's a cool strat. <laughs> I don't. I I'm think just, I lack the survival skills that I can't pull a Katniss, and I also lack the painting skills of Peta. That I don't know what that leaves me with. <laughs> I'd probably be making a spear out of like a tw- like a little branch. I need a capable body. That's it. That's all I need. And then maybe we can we can make it out of there. <laughs> we would be a great tag team. Two guys who know half of something should equal a whole thing. Yeah. Plus, after I'm dead, you could use me as like a shield. Just in case, you know. <laughs> I, I, I that was going without saying. <laughs> oh All my right. god, that that's more than enough Hunger Games. Uh, can we do a quick news seg before uh, we we talk? Yeah. Hold the door, H O T D, hot D. Oof, there's so much to go to get into today. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll um, keep you short though. That we're not. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I'll 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 try. I'll, I'll keep this as short as possible. Um. Something I brought up to you right before we started recording is this HBO and uh, Warner Brothers situation going on. So long story short, Discovery finished its merger uh, with HBO WB. And essentially, they came out and did this whole speech about how they wanted to treat the DCEU with the respect that Marvel is treated over at Disney. Uh, they want a 10-year plan for the DCEU. Um, a whole bunch of like sugar and spice and all that, all the good stuff. Um, the days after the, um, investors call though, where all that, uh, all that, uh, you know, fancy speak was taking place, I guess, uh, we started seeing reports of several projects being canceled, um, from, you know, kind of irrelevant stuff like the Wonder Twins project they had going on, uh, to more like really odd, uh, decisions where the Batgirl movie, which was originally supposed to come out on HBO Max, then they pivoted to go to theaters. It's been shot. It's been mostly edited. And they spent about $120 million on it. Apparently, they just decided to completely give it the axe. Um, and they're going to use it as like a tax write-off. Really odd move, I guess. Like, right? Like, as bad as a movie can be, like, why not put it on HBO Max at least? Uh, but anyway, needless to say, from then on, it's been, it's been snowballing into over 60-plus projects getting the axe and getting removed from HBO Max. The ultimate goal, at least from the investors' call, is Discovery and HBO will be one new streaming service next year. So we can say goodbye to HBO Max oh at some God. point. Add another one crazy. to the list. <laughs> I know. Well, well, that's the thing. Like, uh, they, they said they were going to do, like, a different, like, tier system for pricing. But, like, they intend to charge a premium for Discovery and HBO together. Here's uh, a serious question that they need to ask themselves. Is there enough content there that anyone should care? Well, that's the thing, right? Like, like they're getting rid of DC shows, animated and live action, and put it like 
they're like, oh, you can go shop this around to other networks. But why do that when you have your own streaming service? A. Also, Discovery is mostly known for reality TV shows like your 90 Day Fiance is that kind of thing. So. Oh, say less. I'm in then. <laughs> oh, I'm getting the most expensive plan. <laughs> you should have should have started with that. <laughs> That's the, that, you bury the headline here. Now I don't know if this makes a huge impact. HBO Max, I think we've agreed, is probably the best streaming service. Yeah, these content wise, yeah, for yeah. Sure. Movie and show, and then new stuff as well. I don't know if this is a big enough hit to take it down. I will counter only by saying that, like, I think the strategy that uh, David Zaslav, who's the guy running, he's making it harder to ditch that whole concept. And at the same time, he seems to be more of a fan of traditional media. Uh, I just don't see the, the, the logic behind having the setup that he's building here. So, like, in theory, I guess the way that he wants to run things is you'll have a DC movie shop it around in theaters he'll put it on home video and then wait almost a year before it goes onto a streaming service like that it just sounds like like you're you're trying to get as much money as you can from the consumer before you finally put it on your streaming service it just, to me it just doesn't seem like a smart idea in this current world that we're in now is that what's going to happen to black adam um no i i don't think it affects uh black adam at least not like i'm assuming everything before the end of the year is going to run the same as it is right now with the 45 day window. But I do think anything moving forward is definitely going to be impacted, which I'm, I'm, I'm curious to kind of see how it works out. It just seems a little bit like, you know, a little ridiculous that you have your own streaming service. You're not going to take advantage of it. Instead, you know, have your consumer kind of shop around, I guess, to, to see your content. It seems odd, you know, we're just not putting consumers first anymore. It's just, it's all about the money and it's sickening. Like I just want to be able to watch these movies in peace on my borrowed HBO account that I'm not paying for. <laughs> Is that so much to ask for? <laughs> I just, in the good old days, password sharing was not a crime. <laughs> <laughs> it was encouraged. <laughs> yeah, I just think all these places have kind of hit the wall with it, I guess. Like sooner yeah. or later we were going to get into this um situation. It just seems like a little bizarre that they're going for more traditional means of release whereas everybody else seems to be like on board with the streaming services now uh did you see that uh no way home and some several other movies are getting a re-release for labor day weekend i did well i we knew about new no way home for a little while right because they kept saying they're gonna like i think it's called the more fun version or something okay well we haven't talked for a while okay our listeners are (laughs) craving some content Well, No Way Home is coming out, but instead of like, um, I no think way. Pe- no way. People were thinking it was going to be like a half hour more of content, but it seems like it's only going to be 11 minutes. But 11 minutes can feel like a lifetime, if you know what I mean. <laughs> if you're standing in the DMV line, that 11 minutes feels like a long time. That's just, that is very true. That is very true. <laughs> I'm actually kind of excited for Rogue One, though. I don't know if we saw that. Like, it's coming out in IMAX. Well, also. sure, just shift gears. I was talking No Way Home, and then you just throw it in reverse <laughs> <laughs> at full highway speed. All right. Yeah, no. Forget No Way Home. Not the best Marvel movie ever. All right. It is. And, uh, yeah, let's talk Rogue One. There was a new trailer this week, wasn't there? 
for Rogue One. Yeah. No, no, not Rogue One. Wait, Rogue One. You're. I'm talking about Andor. What are you talking? Rogue One. It's on the re-releases. For... That's coming out in a re-release. Yeah. yeah. Why? I... <laughs> I guess to tie in with the show to some oh degree. My gosh, we are. There's no new movies out there, and they are clearly desperate. That's what it kind of seems. Although, to be honest, yeah, right? Like, usually August has at least two blockbuster hits. Yeah. It was supposed to be Black Adam, but that got shifted to November, so... R.I.P. The Rock. Yeah. Also, like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. The, the, the summer movie season started with a little bit of a bang, but I feel like it's kind of dwindled down a little bit. Man, these movies are garbage now. I'm going to say it. Put me on the record. Are we recording? Because I want that live. Uh, these movies are garbage, man. I've rewatched Doctor Strange. It's so weird and not in a good way. It's all ADR. <laughs> I don't even know if the actors were on set for it. Uh, Thor, however, like being new, which is like refreshing of a style. It's so bad. Like, <laughs> It's definitely been lackluster, I feel like. Um they're just trying to churn the machine so fast that they don't care what they're putting out there. Uh, speaking about Marvel in particular, yeah. I feel like you're you're right on the money. I feel like I've been enjoying the Disney Plus stuff more than I've been enjoying any Ms. of the Miss Marvel was actually stuff. good. Yeah. I really liked Miss Marvel, which yeah. is a, a little surprising for me just because I thought they were going to just, you know, not pay attention to it. Yeah. Um, I've been enjoying She-Hulk. I feel like it's exactly what I thought it was going to be, which is an Ally McBeal Marvel show, um, which is what the character is. So I think like that and and for well. our our main audience, which are millennials and zillennials uh, and and cool kids like me, um, yeah, why don't you just explain what you just said? Yeah, Ally McBeal. The, the you know what Ally McBeal is, right? Right, but for our for our zillennial <laughs> offense, uh, a, a crowd. If you think, um, uh, you know, shows from like the early 2000s, late 90s, kind of like the he, that heavy influence, some of the stuff that's coming out now, like you think back to like, uh, like if you're looking at like a courtroom, you have your courtroom dramas, you have your like NCIS, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, whereas Ally McBeal <laughs> was like a courtroom comedy kind of thing. I don't, I don't know female lawyers. I, I know the male lawyers. Oh, okay. <laughs> I see, I <laughs> it see. was the 90s. Okay. <laughs> Give me a break. You look one episode of She-Hulk and you're like, wait a minute, this is nothing like Better Call Saul. I uh, I didn't start it yet. I'm probably gonna wait for the whole thing. I think it's best to to just, it's it's like a fun series. It doesn't take itself um you know any seriously, but it's it's I'm like seeing a lot of meat. Yeah, <laughs> I I will say one thing. I think the CGI was is substantially better now than it was in the trailers because the trailers it just looked way okay. too unfinished. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I've seen people get, getting triggered by, by She-Hulk with some of these things, but I'd like, I don't know what to say on that front. <laughs> well, I see a lot of stuff about like the 2008 Hulk versus like when he's like bashed it, like using a taxi as boxing gloves yeah. versus him like doing yoga. <laughs> and they're like, not my Hulk. This is a different Hulk now. <laughs> People get very like uptight on the on the Hulk situation stuff though. Um, I I can't wait to go in on fans and the wrongness of fans once we start talking House of Dragon. Yes, all I'll, I'll, I'll say just to kind of wrap up this stuff on on, on She Hulk, right? Like I feel like 
the Hulk stuff is kind of like a perfect example of people not having, I guess, media literacy to some extent, right? Like it's you, it's like comparing apples to oranges in some in some respects. Like I, I I do have my gripes on what they've done with Hulk and the MCU, but the stuff that people hang, get hung up on is like the dumbest things. You know, there are legitimate complaints to point out there. I just feel like people are just like picking at things just to pick at things now um whereas like instead of having like actual discussion you know because i i do think and i agree with your point about like the cinematic stuff really kind of dropping the ball this year um it feels like one of two things either they shifted to disney plus as their priority or somebody fell asleep at the wheel here yeah i don't want to do a big tangent here but i will um I've been doing a, <laughs> I've been doing a Tony Stark Appreciation Week, and I've rewatched all the old Iron Mans, and then that's obviously led me into Shang Chi, and like, but if if you go back and rewatch the old Iron Mans, you know, as bad as Iron Man Two was, for what some people say, I actually love it. Uh, all of those movies used to have a plot, and it was like the CGI wasn't bad; it was good, especially for the time. But now that's all we focus on. It's like we don't care about the writing or like the character development. Like, I don't know. Obadiah was like a weird villain, but he's so much better than Gore. And Gore could have been way better than like a Thanos, even. Yeah, they got a great actor for him. I, I, I'll, I'll say this like, Shang-Chi, I think, has been the diamond in this entire. Yeah, it's, it's not fair phase. to bring it up with the other ones because it's so much better. I'm looking forward to Black Panther and from everything that I've heard from like test audience screenings and all that, like that movie is definitely the one to look at for like top quality Marvel. But it just feels like the, like where was the quality control for these other films? You know, like I don't know. It, I hope Black Panther is actually good and we're not just hyping it up because it has to live up to the first Black Panther. If you yeah. know, what, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, where we, we've made it so much bigger than it is I, I all i want is like a well thought out plot a developed villain so that when you have the ultimate fight it makes sense it's not just like all right let's just throw all the cgi we have at it well that's where you know and it's hard to compare things on trailers but i, I do got to give it to like the I, I saw that whole hall h stuff that they did for comic-con on black panther 2 and they made a very big deal out of like the fact that they weren't trying to live up to the first movie they were just trying to be a pay tribute to chadwick boseman and -hmm. then also you know take this in a direction that where they're already kind of handicapped a little bit right because like you lost your main star um they decided not to recast the role and so like now you have to shift gears and and do all that i'm I'm also kind of a little biased too because i feel like the namor stuff that they've done was a pretty smart play just because like you already got aquaman over in dc there's going to be comparisons between namor and aquaman but they went a different route here with uh putting in like a lot of like mexican slash aztec stuff into namor um so that stuff has me excited but given the other couple movies that have come out yeah i've also been kind of nervous about what the end result is here but i will say one thing like i feel like they've given more importance to black panther over the other movies before and that's because of the cultural significance of it. Mm. Um, and that's hard to like, it, I don't know, it, it's weird. Cause like seeing um, that kind that level of representation was very new during that time. 
and what I mean is like it's not like this is the first movie where there's like a you know large like minority cast, um, but it was the first time that it was given this much money, you know. Yeah. And so that level of attention, I think, is very, very cool. And that's why, like, the first movie got, like, so much so much hype. Because I thought it was a solid movie. But beyond that, like, beyond representation, which is so important, but it's like, look at Killmonger. That's an actually developed villain. Yeah. And that end fight, like, it might not have been the most CGI pleasing, but it was still like, oh, shit. I I don't know who I want to win this. Like... It was it was actually stakes. really good for one movie like introduce a villain and have it arc and then bring it back down like yeah that is what made it such a great movie and we're missing that in the current Marvel stuff because like Shang Chi had it to like a pretty good degree No Way Home had it but it, again the, like No Way Home was an established character right and we kind of, like even if it wasn't going to be like top notch you had some of that to kind of help you level set um. But yeah, all these good. movies and shows are just like, oh, the bad guy just needs to be like see why they've been doing bad, and then they can turn good, and we'll give them a chance, and then they'll be the heroes again. It's like I'm so sick of that formula already. <laughs> yeah. Well, that I yeah I, w- I was disappointed. Obadiah that was, was that killed. Way. That's what made Iron Man good. Like you don't have to show it on screen, but you can be like, oh, the villain can lose. Tony Stark built this franchise in a cave. <laughs> with a box of scraps <laughs> well i'm not tony stark okay <laughs> that's for dang sure yeah all right any other news before we move on to hot d uh no i think we pretty much covered everything um yeah we will be talking rings of power obviously that's on the the tip of the tongue for most people i'm excited about it they keep releasing trailers i'm not sure if i'm getting more excited really with the new trailers but i'm like it's keeping me level for anticipation yeah i'll be honest like i was really looking forward to to that show over this over the show we're about to talk about but um yeah i it's gonna be a little trippy to see two fantasy shows like right weekly dropping right one on friday one on on, on sunday um this is gonna be like a very interesting couple of uh of months that that, that, that we're in for yeah, I just don't want to end up where I'm like pitting it against each other. Like, this one is better than that one. Like, I'm just pumped to have, you know, quality content all at the same time. I'm gonna hyper analyze everything. <laughs> okay. Watch me making those YouTube videos where it's like 15 things you missed. <laughs> <laughs> 79 Easter eggs you might have missed. They said his name. That's an Easter egg. The Starbucks coffee cup in the background was a clear call to season eight of Game of Thrones. <laughs> did you see that in the live airing? Because I didn't see it. And then when I went back, it was gone. In the original. No, I, I, I didn't catch it. So I'm I, pretty sure it's a deep fake. That was definitely one of the 15 things I missed. Apparently, it, it was true, though. Like HBO No, but it's a deep it. fake. I don't <laughs> accept that as a truth. It's not. <laughs> there is no Starbucks in Westeros. <laughs> well, there was. But it's just gone just now. Didn't see it. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Hot, hot D because I've I've been waiting to talk about this since Got came out. <laughs> <laughs> All these acronyms. You got Got, you got Hot. All right, so lay it on me, Emmett. What are, what are what 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 are your what are your thoughts on this show? You know, one word, hyped. If you want two more words, I am. I am hyped. Okay, <laughs> add that together. 
This is ex- <laughs> I like this show a lot. It didn't take like a rewatch. It didn't take like pause, think about it, you know, see what people's comments were. It's like it's exciting to have a Sunday night show again and for it to feel like you know the mid seasons of Game of Thrones when that was at its peak. Praise the gods, yo. Bessie the, would be proud seven. of this episode. All seven and and all the old ones too. <laughs> no, but I I do mean it. I think you know we'll get into specifics, but I think the actors have been casted right. I don't think they're treating us like we're a dumb audience. I think they're doing what they did with the original season of Game of Thrones, like which is like it's very fast paced. They're throwing names out there, but that's part of the fun. Is like if I can't keep up, I know eventually it'll all make sense. And when I go back for the rewatch, I'll catch stuff that. I, I missed that was uh, more important than it was in the first watch. Uh, and, and that's why I loved like the first season of Game of Thrones. It was like, I had no clue who the Baratheons were in the first episode, but I know they're coming to see the, the Starks and I know the Starks. It's like, that's all you need to know. Just hold on and enjoy the ride. And it's like, throw a few dragons in there and all right, I'm in. Yeah. For me, this was, this was also one of those things where I feel like, Matt Smith in particular, I feel like he, uh, playing Damon Targaryen, I feel yeah. like he, he was like, this is like the best thing he's done since Doctor Who, I think. I didn't know him before this. I was like doing a deep dive on his IMDb and I was like, I've never really like watched anything this guy's in, but he's he's killing it. He was really good in Doctor Who, and I feel like that was the last time that his acting chops were really put to the test. We're gonna ignore Morbius because that doesn't exist right now. <laughs> I saw he was listed in that. What it was? What was he? He was the villains. I didn't, I didn't see Morbius, but oh, okay. was he good or was he bad? Um, it's just a bad movie, so it's like it was. Just, it was just a bad movie. I think he did as good as he could with with the with what he was given script wise. Yeah. But th- this is where I feel like he he can really make a big name for himself. Um, so for for that alone, I think this is really good. But also, this is this was not on my top, you know, like let's say like even top five stuff that I was looking forward to this year. What? All right, it, no, you're crazy. <laughs> it wasn't only because there's so much stuff coming out this year, and I was a you know I was burned enough by the last season of Game of Thrones that I was kind of like, all right, well, depending on who's running the show here, I don't know if we're if we're in for a really good composed early season of Game of Thrones or if we're in for like the Benny Austin Weiss uh, stuff from the from the end. But this show like really hit the ground running. It, it like you said, the dialogue, everything that was kind of built into the show, it, it, it feels like the first couple seasons of Game of Thrones. It feels like a drama in the fantasy world. Um, which is exactly the, the type of stuff that people tuned in for. Cause like I don't know about you, but like I rewatched Game of Thrones earlier this year. I just finished series. I literally finished like two days before Hot D came out. <laughs> the my my biggest um the, the biggest like the biggest points the show earns for me is the fact that as much as I love the action sets and, and the and all the action pieces of the show, I really like will replay dialogue scenes from that show. Whereas I can't really say that for a lot of other stuff that 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 we watch. Like to me, Game of Thrones has one of those like I can put in a scene between Varys and Littlefinger, and I'll like I'll always find something new to kind of take away from it because the dialogue is written so beautifully. Yeah. And I felt the same way here. Like I was so enamored with the characters by you know 15 minutes in. Yeah, I just didn't think we would get that again. 
Yeah, I mean, I rewatch. I do rewatch um, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones mostly for trade negotiations. Uh, not so much for, <laughs> for the fighting. <laughs> no, uh, seriously though, I I totally agree. I'll rewatch like the best parts of Thrones. Rewatching it is like watching Tyrion's arc of being like the hand of the king and like how he plays the game. He wants power. He's willing to admit it. Like all that stuff is great. And this episode alone, I mean, it just felt like it's a perfect balance of some of that those discussions that you want, but then also like, all right, I know we have to sell you on it. It's a pilot episode, so we're gonna throw some dragons in there. We're gonna throw some like jousting and whatnot. Um, there were some weird parts, though. I will say uh, that were kind of cringy, not like cringe awkward, but cringe like ugh, like gory. Which parts are you thinking here? Well, if I can get into specifics, it's what the fans are outraged about. I'm a little lost here. <laughs> Did you? Am I on, up to date on something that you're not on? on? Maybe, maybe. Lay it on me. What's what's what? All right, let's. About? We're done with spoiler free. Let's get into specifics. I'm talking about the ending of the episode with the, uh, you know, fans were up in arms about the non-consensual c-section that was forced upon the queen and it's like uh their main argument was like women don't have rights in this show it's like uh women didn't have rights in game of thrones and this is almost 200 years before that why would they have had it then (laughs) like this is supposed to be like a fantasy medieval thing it's like i'm not arguing that women shouldn't have rights but it's like if you've developed a world where they don't I think the king can be like, yeah, I want my son out of there. And if I'm going to lose them both, I'll lose one instead of both. Yeah, that that's a little strange to I I haven't, you know, I'll be honest, I have this has been my social media free week, I guess, to an extent. Oh, good so, for you. I know. <laughs> so I, I get like honestly though, like it didn't even cross my mind that people no. would be outraged by it. I mean, it was the only thing I was like up in arms with was like that's a lot of blood. <laughs> and we're seeing, like, into the cavity. I do like, though, that it was definitely an uncomfortable scene to watch. But I think that that was the point, right? Like It has to be. Yeah. If you're going to do that, yeah. It, it, it's it's almost kind of like, um not not to, like, cross shows over here, but, like, we saw the same thing in the second season of Walking... No, the third season of Walking Dead when the main character's wife went through a similar phase in the zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Except that one took it a step further where the son had to put down his mom, essentially. Um, mm. So it's not like we haven't seen this before uh, on TV. But well, even staying in this show, it's like Theon was like tortured and you watched a lot of it. Like that reminded me of the scene of him like getting his finger drilled into and his feet yeah. drilled into. It's like that's that same level of uncomfort of like, oh, I can't watch, but I have to see like what the heck's happening. <laughs> It's also like it went a step further in illustrating the tone of the entire first episode, which was basically you had Rhaenyra basically saying like, oh, well, this kid's not even born yet. And and yet it has more rights than I do or privileges, I guess. Yeah. Which she was right. And this further emphasized the point that this guy was willing to, you know, sacrifice his wife to get a son. He threw a whole tournament for the kid who wasn't born yet. Yeah. He didn't even know the sex was guaranteed. And he's like, yeah, we're throwing a whole tournament like. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, it completely sets the tone and showing us that, you know, that painful decision when they both don't survive the the mother and the child. It's like that hits so much harder because it's like 
we watched him make that decision, watch the consequences of that, and then watched us like watch them on the pyre. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was a brilliant way to kind of go about it. And also, like, accurate because the story has already kind of been written. This is the whole Dance of the Dragons segment from the books mm-hmm. that they keep referencing in the books. And in the show, we got a couple tidbits here, here and there. Uh, yeah. I think the, the castle in Harrenhal was one of the things that they called out in the original show, where, like, Daemon yep. Targaryen flew in and destroyed it with his dragon. Which, by the way, when we get to that point at some point in the series... Can't wait. Um, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Um, they nailed the dragon CGI, by the way. Oh like, my they, god, they look so cool. And it's it's awesome that they're like not the same dragons. Like they kind of look like the personality of the rider almost. Yeah. Well, yeah, like Rhaenyra's is a little bit more like longer and sleeker, and then Damon's dragon is a little bit bulkier and it's like slithery. Red. Yeah, it's like No, his was the red one at the end, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 it's, it's like it's 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 slithering, but it's a little bit more bulky versus Rhaenyra's, okay. which was a little like far more slender than that. Yeah, and hers looked really like I don't know if an animal can look regal, but it kind of did. It's also cool to see the dragon pit in its glory. You know, yeah. whereas we got to see it in ruin later on. When did the dragon stop growing in size? I don't remember because they say so many different names, and everyone has the same name. That yeah. like in Game of Thrones, it's like how many Amon Amons were there? There was like John's the seventh of his name or sixth of his name. Everybody's an Aegon and a Daemon, uh, a <laughs> Viserys. It it's hard to know which like which one was the like I thought the Mad I don't know this is probably embarrassing to admit but I thought the Mad King was the one who like conquered Westeros. No, that was um, I think that was like three hundred years before the original show. Um, and, and his dragon Viserion was the one, right? Uh, Balon, the the black dread, the the huge skull that you see on the in the in yeah the pit. that that was his dragon. Is Balon also Balon the Blessed? No, I think that was like a, another family member that became like a. No, that's Balor. Yeah, the Blessed. Oh, okay. See, this is like this is the only problem I have with some of the, these things. It's like. I've rewatched it what like four or five times, and like some of this shit is still too tricky to keep up with. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like the the book stuff, I feel like is heavy here. No, and don't tell me to read. Don't. That's not the answer always. Okay, Ivan. <laughs> <laughs> read me? No, no. Ever read a book? <laughs> <laughs> Never. Um, no, but I th- I think um, if if I have the timeline correctly, we're literally at the midway point of the Targaryen reign. So we're like 170 what years before Daenerys, and then 100 and... 172. There you go. <laughs> and 150-something years. I read the opening to this episode. <laughs> I didn't read the book. <laughs> listen, listen. They get stuff... It gets confusing, okay? Like, all these characters are aged up from the story in the books, yeah. too. Which, thank God, because there's some creepy vibes there between Damon and his and his niece. Oh, yeah, that was real weird. They were, like, flirting while he's sitting on that throne. <laughs> wait till they... Wait till it becomes... No, a no don't, <laughs> don't tell me. <laughs> don't, don't say it ain't so. I, mean, no, I, was, I looked at a family tree thing online of, like, what are the Targaryens thing? Like, it came up, and they're all related, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew they, like, they talked about, like incest within the targaryen family and it was accepted but like it's rampant 
Well, yeah, they had sister wives. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird, man. It's it's so, but it's it's strange to be like put into. Which, by the way, I like the the way that they play this out is like you're literally just tossed into the world instead of like having your hand held throughout the entire uh, beginning sequence. There. Um, How so? What do you mean? So like. Th- th- this is a prime example of like the stuff that I look. I'm trying to think of like a good show to compare this to, but I feel like shows nowadays will break the rule of show don't tell, and will explain to you in dialogue everything that's going on. Whereas Game of Thrones does the bare minimum of that and just like allows you to put two and two together. Right. I yeah I do like that. And that like that alone is like huge huge points in the world where we're starting to like not really get all that much and i guess like all these companies just assume the audience isn't going to get the point unless you like hammer it all the way through which is so frustrating because it's like we're not that dumb i mean like if you name six characters the same name yeah it's tricky but (laughs) but if you like i don't know just start going into the plot we'll catch up and then when we rewatch it it's going to make more sense and it's going to like we're going to appreciate it more. I don't know if you got the the if you caught this but like when Rhaenyra is riding her dragon in the beginning mm-hmm. you get just a hint of Daenerys's theme. Yeah. The music. Yeah, yeah. And then like swells up subtly and then goes down and it's like and they also look like very very similar. Obviously because you know they're family, but I know I'm so happy about that. Yeah, but but it's it... <laughs> <laughs> it, it was so it was so cool to see that level of detail being paid, you know, attention being paid here. There's um, something about the way that she says Dracarys that's just so pleasing. It's so like simple, like not as heavy as like. It's Daenerys authoritative. Say it. Yeah. When Daenerys says it, it's like, I don't know. It's, there's no umph behind it. Yeah, she's usually just kind of like yelling it. But then again, it's like a, a stricter combat command, whereas here we hear it said in like a regal kind of setting yeah burning bodies regal i mean it's a ceremony <laughs> uh what about um this other house that is his hand i don't remember high tower was the high towers yeah uh, that never came up in game of thrones so i'm guessing this house will have its day eventually which will end but it's kind of weird. The father's like uh, whoring out his daughter for the king. <laughs> yep. Yep. I kind of got like young Cersei vibes from her. It's from hard to tell because she's like clearly in love with uh, Rhaenyra. Or there's something there. And then she has to go do her family duties. They're just roommates. <laughs> They're just roommates. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I think they were in love, but they both are of like of high highborn status, so they have to do their they know their duties and they will live up to it. Uh, which is also like what a Cersei vibe is, where like she loves Jamie, but she knows at the end of the day, you know, I have to marry a king, I have to either have his kid or pretend to have his kid. Yeah. And I like the king. The kid, the the king gives me like Viserys. Yeah, he gives me yeah. like Ned Stark vibes, but without the like. He's too naive. Yeah. Yeah. But he's like good in his naivete. Yeah, 
which you know if pattern follows suit end he's of the season yeah I'm assuming. <laughs> he's not less than a season uh what's going on with him like i i get the metaphor of like if you're gonna sit in the iron throne it it's an uncomfortable seat and you shouldn't enjoy it so i get the metaphor of like him getting cut by it but the sore is definitely like you know like a syphilis type thing isn't it <laughs> yeah, I took it to mean that it's either like some sort of cancer or something, or something's developing in him, and they're obviously like misinterpreting what it right. means. Um, the sword detail, though, like on the throne, I thought there was something more to it, but I also kind of feel like in the books they keep mentioning it. And for Game of Thrones, they're like, oh, like every time this person sits on the throne, they get cut because it's made out of swords. Yeah. So I wonder if they're just going to tie it in and just make it this metaphorical thing where, like, it was a result of a cut from the sword, but, like, this is the cost of ruling kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. It, I just like put a lot the, of focus on it. I like the look of the throne in this yeah. series. Yeah. It's more, it's more, like, it looks more akin to, like, the art pieces that uh, George R. R. Martin used for the books. But also, like, not really, because that thing was, like, two stories tall. Yeah. But this is, like just having all the swords surrounding it like a graveyard that's a cool look yeah which how what happened to the other swords then by the time we get to game of thrones like well i bet there's some sort of like you know why don't we just make it more comfortable and (laughs) remove some of the well because they all can like remodel the throne room like joffrey does it i guess so yeah i don't know why i put like dragon fire up there that's the only thing that could melt the throne because that's the only example that you saw it in. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is. <laughs> and and you have a simple mind, so... That's true, that's true, that's true. <laughs> I am guilty as charged on that. <laughs> uh, what else happened that uh, is worth talking about? Obviously, the tournament happens. Damon the... is a sore loser. <laughs> that, that relationship, though, between Damon Targaryen and his brother, I thought, like, do you... So... From from the books, I feel like he's one of the more interesting characters that they talk about, like from a historical standpoint. Um, here, he's played really well by Matt Smith, a but also, I feel like he is exactly the uh, like a tortured kind of soul here. You know what I mean? Like I do think he genuinely does love his brother, but he's such a like you said, he's a bit of a sore loser that, and he's ambitious enough for his own. For his own piece of that pie of power, I guess, that he's untrustworthy. Yet at the same time, I feel like he's probably more trustworthy than the rest of that council. Who they all definitely are looking to play the king in some way. Yeah, that's definitely going to be like a major political line of this show. Which which is like we were talking about. It is one of the more fun parts of like beating your enemies not on the battlefield, but with like succession. With your wit and stories about Bessie. And her large stuff. <laughs> well said. <laughs> I miss me some Robert Baratheon on here. I hope we get like his equivalent at some point. We saw how Stark. So the uh, the balcony you could do Shakespeare off of is what yeah. you meant to say. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yep. Um, one thing for you, real quick, because I, I and this is kind of like the biggest point of the of the episode because it's like the thing that all the youtubers were like putting as like you might have missed this i missed that yep um the tie-in to the to the to game of thrones with the prophecy there that's a little bit of a plot twist there 
right? yeah that the targaryen family knew about the uh the long night i guess we can call it uh yeah they knew about that from a dream sequence it does give it like their dreams have more meaning uh like more truth to it than just being a dream which i guess you kind of see with like daenerys stuff like she had the vision about you know reaching the iron throne but her children called her away which happens in the uh the fight for going north of the wall instead of going for the throne um yeah it's interesting that 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 they knew about it and clearly it doesn't get talked about for generations after because uh, Vis- what's his? Now I'm gonna mispronounce it. Viserys. Vis- Viserys and Daenerys didn't know about it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, I I feel like we're going to find out why on this show. Like, maybe Rhaenyra's. Well, I'm I, I kind of know what happens, but like I'm saying, like spoiler from, from Rhaenyra's standpoint, like what happens with her that she's either not able to to pass that knowledge on. Or something, right? Like, that's part of the tragedy that will ensue at some point. But this is supposed to be both the peak and the beginning of the downfall of, of House Targaryen. Yeah, I mean, like, at, at what point does it get lost? And that also makes me think a lot about the lore that's been untouched for the original show. Like, was it possible that maybe the, the Mad King was also in on the secret? And, and like, the burn them all thing? Yeah, like, was yeah. that... Maybe he's like a misunderstood guy. I don't know. It just gets me questioning. That was a big fan theory when it was like when Game of Thrones was wrapping up, like Bran had messed with his mind in one of his flashbacks and like him saying burn them all was because uh, the Mad King had saw like the the army of the dead and he was screaming about them instead about the city folk. Uh, I mean, that would be cool if you could tie that in. I wouldn't be upset if they don't, though. They don't have to, like, fix any plot holes or, like, fan wishes from Game of Thrones. Um, yeah, no, I wouldn't expect them to. But but I, I do, it just gets me, you know, gets my wheels turning there about certain fan theories from before. Um, and also, like, technically it kind of came true, right? Because, like, Jon Snow technically was the one to unite most of the seven kingdoms against the the white walkers ultimately and he was a targaryen and a stark so there's your ice and fire thing or connection there yeah i think they already did the fan service of saying of calling it a song of ice and fire and then also him holding the blade that's going to be the thing that kills the night king i think that's enough fan service that you yeah don't, they don't have to go above and beyond that yeah that's true but I'm, but I'm, i was glad to kind of see that little call out there because it it definitely was something that um at least kind of ties the bow a little bit neater with the, yeah with the it would be cool to see like what happens with that knife like who gets it next and kind of follow like the line of succession of that thing because we know it eventually ends up in Littlefinger's possession but it's like so many different people must have owned it yeah also kind of funny to see it literally on the guy who is supposed to have it i guess yeah <laughs> you know right from the get-go there was also a few, like, well, I think there's maybe one, and then I'm trying to draw a second one, but uh, connections with Arya. Uh, obviously, with the lecture and, like, the history lesson with Rhaenyra's, uh talking about Nymeria, 
and Arya's wolf was named Nymeria. What was the? Do you remember that um, conversation that between Arya and Tywin at Harrenhal when he was when she said like her idol was one of the Targaryens who rode a dragon and she was like a female warrior? Is that this girl, or is that a the earlier conqueror? That was one of the one of the original conquerors, because the guy who conquered Westeros, Aegon, right? Aegon, the the conqueror. No, there's so many. <laughs> the first Aegon, <laughs> the first dude that was named Aegon. Um, he had two sister wives, and they were the ones that were mm. riding those dragons. But her sword, and that's that's the other thing too. She says, she mentions the name of her Valyrian steel sword, which was Dark Sister. That's it. Yeah, which is the sword that Damon has in this oh, okay. series. That's yeah. why I'm trying to like draw those connections because I'm like, if that sword's still around, is Rhaenyra? Because it was something like Rhaenyra, Rhaenys or something like that. Rhaenys and and who cares? These some something <laughs> who cares? Some things. <laughs> some repeated name that gets passed along. That's again. just that really is my only gripe with these with this show is like. It's not just also that like you're naming this people the same name. It's like a complicated name. Well, there's incest involved, so might as well share everything, you know. But like, <laughs> we came up with John. We're living in a world with Johns. <laughs> you don't have to go with like Rainy, spelled like R H A N Y S U S. Like they all mean the same name it's like real world john like you have john in english yeah Juan in spanish in russian it's ivan like they're all they all mean the same thing <laughs> what i'm looking forward to the, the most though out of this show is gonna be those like dragon fights and dragon sequences that we've heard about you know the the storming of uh Heron hall like how does that Castle, castle becomes so crispy looking <laughs> by, yeah. by the time of Game of Thrones. You know that that'll be really fun to see. Um, also, so we like, yeah, we can't really do predictions because you know what happens. No. But yeah, give me like what you're excited about. So like the dragon fights and the dragon, the political know, lore. Stuff. Yeah, the, the political stuff because like even just with the uh, with Otto Hightower, like I feel like there's a lot of like tension brewing there. And again, part of the thing that really attracted me to the first seasons of Game of Thrones was that dialogue, which in the books is kind of Shakespearean, but they did so well to you know, you know the translation over to to television. Um, I'll be honest, like I I enjoy a good drama here and there. I never thought I'd enjoy a fantasy drama to the extent that I did Game of Thrones, and we're getting a second helping here. So, like that's yeah. what I'm looking forward to the most. A lot a lot of that, like give us more of those types of sequences. Yeah, I'm into that. Uh, I want to see what happens with Damon next. Now that he's like banished from the Red Keep, right? He has to go back to his his wife who's apparently super ugly. <laughs> yeah, and he's taking his uh, his mistress with him. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't catch that on my first watch. And the second watch, I was like, wait, that's the chick who was, like, toasting him at the uh, at the brothel. I love how her name is Miseria, which is <laughs> misery in Spanish. <laughs> it's, uh, it's Mysterios. <laughs> I guess we know what's going to happen with them with just from her name alone. But 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm interested to see his story go solo and then like how he'll come back into the fold. Obviously, he's going to be a major part. Um, I don't think this king is going to last very long. I, I don't know anything about the book's lore or really the history of Game of Thrones that well, obviously. Um, but like we were talking about, like with Ned, with a Ned-like personality, he can't be lasting many more. And he's like super depressed from losing his wife. I feel like he's he's going to pull a Tomlin or a Tommen. <laughs> He's gonna use Dark Sister for for his uh. No, actually, no. <laughs> He's gonna take that short trip to the ground floor. For real. Well, there's one thing too. Like, even if we do know the story from the books, like Damon himself is kind of shrouded in mystery. The end of that story. Okay. So we don't ultimately know what exactly happens to him. We have an idea, but we don't like. You know, it's never really like nothing's ever fully fleshed out. So, I hope. This is the other thing too. Like and, and, and not for nothing. I love the show so far. I I like what they're doing. I hope that George R. R. Martin, the author, being very involved in this series means that we have a definitive end somewhere in place instead of trying to extend this too, you know, too far out that it kind of gets a, a bit, you know, over overplayed, I guess. Or No, I, I hate that. I'll disagree with you here. I don't You think... want more? No, I think the last season of Game of Thrones, I was comfortable with it. I think the people who were, like, saying it's bad because it got ahead of the books are just looking for, like, an escape goat because they didn't like the result. And it's, like, it's you can't just be, like, this season, this series is going to be great because he's involved. It's, like, no, he's not God. Like, this guy is just writing. Is. <laughs> no, because if, it, if it's not done well... Then you have no other things to blame. Well, the uh, thing is, like my my gripe on it wasn't like what happened because I feel like it's it, it's it was a trajectory of things anyway. No, but what F I'm brand. saying, F brand. <laughs> <laughs> what I was saying is like even like I think right before the show premiered, he gave some like interview with Variety where they would ask him about the ending of Game of Thrones, and he's like, "Well, I thought he's like he wasn't involved after season five on Game of Thrones." Right. He's like, but also like his whole view of it and this is something i guess that wasn't revealed to anyone before but hbo had told the producers like hey you you can have up to season 10 or season 12 to wrap up the story whatever you guys want here's the money for it they deliberately chose to end it much quicker than what the the script writers that had, that had worked on the show they had given him enough like content uh, had given the showrunners enough content to go on for a couple more years to fully flesh out what happens my gripe about the last two seasons is that everything seems rushed. Like, it's not about what happens. No, it's more so like, no. Re rewatch Game of Thrones, and you will see that people fast travel, that plot develops quickly. Like, follow Catelyn Stark's plot. She is at, like, Rob's camp in one episode, and then later that episode, she's traveled all the way across the country to uh, the Baratheons fight on the coast and then she travels all the way back to Rob after having a conversation. Like she is fast traveling and like nobody cares then because it's following the books. Yeah. But that's not the same as going from like, because Daenerys it is. descent starts, but you no, barely going, get any going time from with her, Winterfell though. to like Dragonstone and back and back to the wall is like, 
It's the same thing. What does it matter? You need to watch them travel? Like, are you that bored? <laughs> it's not necessarily the traveling, though. Like, to me, it's it's more so, like, you go... Like, for example, like I said, Daenerys' descent starts, like, as soon as she gets to Westeros. Because things start going bad for her. But yet, we barely get any time to, to see that. To see her crumbling down no, and become... See, no, you see her initial reaction is always to go to the violent path... Even back in Marine and like all those like slaver cities, her initial reaction is like crucify them, burn them, kill them, and everyone has the counselor like, now nah, maybe you could like negotiate with them. <laughs> so like her initial reaction to like stuff not going her way is violence. This is a totally different pod episode, <laughs> but we are clearly both so passionate about our. I don't know. I just I I still think it it could have used another season to fully like tell that story out well. Like I said, I feel like everything after that I would love more Thrones. <laughs> that 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 was my issue with it. It wasn't what happened. Like I'm fully on board with what happened. Like you said, she the, the groundwork was laid out for her to become yeah. ultimately what she became. It's just I feel like it was done a disservice by not taking more time to show us all that. That that's my only gripe with it. Like everything else, I feel like. For anybody that complains about like what exactly happened, other than Bran being king, that's the know. only thing I've I've you know gone back on when I've rewatched is like the only other person I would want to be king would be uh, Remley Baratheon. Yeah, because it would have just been so full circle if he like if the show started with a Baratheon king who like shouldn't have been king, and you end with one who is now a full on like you know, approved Baratheon status who deserves it. Like he would understand how the common people, like all the, all the things that would check off Varys's list, like know how the common people feel and what they need from a leader and like someone who doesn't want to lead. Like that would have been the perfect pick. Yeah. The whole little like forced democracy bit <laughs> was a little, you know, yeah, it was a little much at the end there. But anyway, Hopefully we don't suffer the same kind of situation um, here. I just hope they plan things out a little bit more accordingly. Yeah. I mean, I did get into Thrones late. I don't think I joined until like season four or five. So it it might be hard for me to be like, if this is going to be a long standing series, that might be really difficult to have to wait every year for like the next season to come out. Well, you won't have to wait too long. They already renewed it for season two, apparently, as of this morning. Yeah, but that's not going to be like a year before that's out, and this is going to be done in like you know, <laughs> a month true. or two. Well, we'll get the Jon Snow spinoff before we get season two. <laughs> All right. <laughs> which apparently has also been picked up, so. That's fair. Yeah. But I think we'll we'll, we'll end it there, unless you have any other thoughts. Um, no, I'm done fighting. <laughs> I can't keep talking through. <laughs> I always end up fighting. <laughs> All right. Well, if if you, if you stayed long enough to hear us chat and argue over Game of Thrones here, you know we'll we'll, we'll be back to discuss the rest of the series. I'm really looking forward to what else is coming up here. But out of everything that's coming out, honestly, this this was a nice little surprise. So yeah, you know, we've got a lot coming our way. Uh, we'll be back with more House of the Dragon at some point. We'll talk Rings of Power, and you know I think <laughs> we're in for a heavy September. So. Buckle up, get excited. That's gonna um, be our new call tag. <laughs> our tagline. Buckle up, behind Bu- the fourth wall. <laughs> Buckle up, get excited.
Thanks for listening. <laughs> Smash that subscribe button. Ring that bell if you love our content. This podcast is brought to you by viewers like you. <laughs> <laughs> for the viewers, by the viewers. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.